Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest Sharon Cameron, an inspiring author who joins us today with her latest historical fiction novel, Artifice. This is gift-giving season, and we're going to hear how this can be a great gift to share with the special people in our life. Sharon Cameron, good morning, and thank you so greatly for being with us. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Well, I am very uh, much in awe of you and your (laughs) writing and uh, your style and the detail. It's it's just... uh, I, well, what comes to mind is just in reading Artifice, the way that you incorporated language and and words that really depict art and artists, and because it's so mu- there's so much that is that subject in the book. So I just want to say off the bat that your writing is really so amazing. Oh, thank you! What a what a fabulous beginning. Um, I really appreciate that that comment. I, I don't think an author can um, ask for higher praise than that. So, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I think it just attests really to your your skill and and your dedication to making the words really relate to what you want to communicate. Saying that, I have not read other books. Now I am ready to start going through those. But in Artifice, uh, the first book I'm reading of yours, I, I just see that that's just incredible detail that you put into your writing. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I think that the the historical research, you know, for me on on a book like this um, is is, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that in depth. But I mean, it's absolutely imperative, you know. I think to to get those kinds of things right, but but also I think having um, a a historical character. Of course, the story is told in the voice, you know, of the of the main character, and you're in the, her thought process. So I really did want that to reflect an, an artistic mind, um, and that is certainly something that I was thinking about when I was choosing choosing words and language and the kinds of thoughts that would be in her head and in these situations. So um, that to me, that is as important as you know having having the uh, the mind and the character historically accurate and accurate to that kind of personality is just as important as as getting the dates right and, and that kind of thing. So I really appreciate those comments. Thank you. And that's really a wonderful insight to, and it attests then to your dedication to have this written in actually the thinking and the voice of this young uh, main character in Artifice. So yeah, that oh, that's that's really wonderful to hear. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you think so. Um, it's also very fun to do. I think you know, from from um, a a writing perspective, um, to me, that is a lot of the joy of the process. You know, is maybe being maybe it's something like being an actor on a mm-hmm. stage. You know, really inhabiting um, this person that that you're creating and. All, all the way down to the to their mind and their and their thought processes, and so that's that's a very joyful part of the creative process, I think, for me. That is also 
really revealing, so insightful. And, you know, for anyone who is listening and would be thinking in terms of themselves as aspiring to be a writer, which I think you've done from an amazingly very, very, very young age, like as a young child. Uh, But, you know, maybe there are parents listening that will encourage a child uh, to be thinking in in this sense. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because um, actually I I was not um, a child writer at all. Um, I, I think I was probably a very creative person. Um, I And story, books and story, I, I truly believe have shaped me and my life. I was a very passionate reader, you know, even as a child, but I never tried writing. I, I was actually a musician um, mm. for a big chunk of, of my life for 20 something years. And, and I thought I would do that forever. Um, I thought that was my calling and I still do love music. I was, I was a classical pianist mm. for a really long time, but um, I sat down on a whim um, one, one day when I had 45 three minutes. And I just thought, wow, what would it be like to create, you know, a story like these stories that have meant so much to me about history that has meant so much to me. And I'm not even exaggerating when I say that 45 minutes later, I got up from that computer and I had decided to completely change my life. And I fell head over heels in love with the written word. So, you know, I think for me, if I was giving advice, you know, to people who are aspiring writers or even think they might want to write or have a child that they think might want to do something like this. I mean, first of all, obviously you encourage that, but I think one of the ways you encourage that is just reading you know, doing a lot, a lot of reading and and reading in a way where you're understanding what it is that draws you about a story. I think when you're reading, it's such an opportunity to learn who you are as a creative person and what makes you tick as a creative person. And learning that is really what leads, I feel like, to all the creative processes, whether it's words or music or uh, art or or anything, any kind of creative process. It's kind of learning what makes us tick. And I really do feel like reading is so foundational for that. Absolutely. And, oh, I just love that you've shared that. I, I think that in inspires in so many ways. And I hope whoever hears this and listens really does take that to heart because that's, that is uh, such valuable insight and support, I think. Oh, I hope so. (laughs) And in your saying how, um, you know, in that 45 minutes, you decided to make this major shift in your life, that too is just utterly amazing when you've had a wonderful career as a concert pianist. So obviously you excelled. And then to say, no, I think I need to go a different direction. That's, it leaves me almost speechless. <laughs> well, I think, I think, you know, the, so many times, um, it, you know, we're made to feel that, you know, the career paths and the career choices we make, you know, when we're young, are set in stone. Um, But that's really not true, is it? You know, we all have opportunities to 
make that left turn, you know, to try something new. And, and I think it's a really good thing to do, even if you don't make a huge shift, you know, like, like I did. And, uh, you know, my, my early, um, career was, was based, I did a lot of playing, but I'd also did a lot of teaching and I, and I loved, I loved that part of music and I loved teaching. And strangely, it's been such an incredible, um, background and foundation for the writing process, just from really learning how other people learn and, and how to communicate what is, you know, not necessarily communicable, you know, with words, uh, learning to how to impart this kind of information to another person on an individual basis teaches you so much about people. And then I just feel like the music itself, the rhythm, um, even down on the sentence level, certainly still affects my writing, you know, just with with pace and with crescendo and, and decrescendo and all of all of these things. I think for many, many years I was actually teaching storytelling mm. and just through music. And so actually it turned into an amazing foundation for a different creative process, which I would have never guessed. So I feel like these first careers there to me None of these steps in a journey is ever wasted. They just, um, they lead you to a very particular place. But I think a lot of times it's just really good to open your eyes and realize there are so many possibilities, you know, just sitting right in front of you. Um, and and our, our paths are not, are not set. Mm. Oh, that is so beautiful. It, it, you're leaving, you left, and you're encouraging us to be open to what may cause us to turn here or turn there and go with that flow. Absolutely. And I think all it really takes is is open eyes and an, and an aware mind and, and not, being, not being stuck in, in where we are and it being able to envision something new. And mm. that is certainly what happened to me. And now I can't imagine, you know, not taking uh, that turn in my life. Um, eight books later, you know, here, here I am. Um, and I can't imagine what I'd be doing with myself if I hadn't done it. Um, so I just encourage everyone to, 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 you know, to take that small little step, try something new. Oh, yes. I love it. Yes. Thank you for that gift for us to really <laughs> consider in our own lives. Yes. And so here with Artifice, the newest yes. book that's just recently come out, and I was wondering what has prompted this young author to take this turn and look at this historical fiction. And then I read on your website... I don't want anyone or anything to be forgotten. I want to understand the past. Does that capture it? I think it really does. I think that that probably is a trait in myself that I can see from my childhood. You know, just this this idea um, that that the past, so much of the past has died. It is lost to us. It died with people's memories. And I feel like that there's so much of the world that has been that has shaped where we sit right now. But yet mm. this, this huge depth of human experience has been lost. So I think that 
when I am writing these stories like Artifice and I reach back into the past and I find these experiences that people have had and I reach back and bring them forward, you know, into a book, into a story, kind of give them that second life, it feels a little bit like a rescue for me. It feels like it feels like rescuing this identity, this story, um, and giving it a second chance to be remembered. And and I do find that very fulfilling. You know, for artifice, certainly the inspiration for this book came, you know, from two true stories. The first being the true story of a man named Johann von Holst, who was a teacher of a, he was a teacher of teachers. He was the principal of a teaching college in Amsterdam during the Nazi occupation of the Netherlands during World War II. And he happened to be located next door to a kindergarten. And this kindergarten was being used as a prison for Jewish babies and toddlers who had been taken from their parents and were being put on trains and sent directly to gas chambers in concentration camps. And, you know, for him, this was an utterly unacceptable situation. And so he started a baby smuggling ring. Um, He and two others, they were putting babies in shopping sacks and laundry baskets and handing them out the windows and and saving these children's lives. And they were credited with saving at least 600 children uh, during the occupation of Amsterdam. And it was probably more than that, but that is the at least number. It's an incredible achievement. It's unbelievable. You think of 600, which is a huge number, but then they have survived and they married and they had children and now they're grandchildren and uh, moving on to great-grandchildren. How many yeah. lives have were saved and thus impacted? Absolutely. Um, it is, it's an incredible legacy, and yet it could never be enough Mm. because for every child they saved they had to leave five behind you know it it was an impossible situation um as far as choosing who they could save and i know that that's a guilt that he lived with for the rest of his life but you know i i take someone like him and i compare him to the other true story that this book is based on, and that is another Dutch man who lived at the same time in Amsterdam during the war, um, but he was a, he, he could not be any more different as far as how he spent um, his life. His name was Han van Meegren, and he was a very talented Dutch artist, but he was also one of the most clever and notorious art forgers of the 20th century. He had been fooling everyone. He had been faking Dutch masters, particularly Vermeers, and selling them to museums and collectors. And when the Nazis invaded and took over Holland, he just went right on selling forged paintings to the Nazis. So one of his forged Vermeers hung over the desk of Hermann Goring, who was second in command of the Reich, and was considered the jewel of his art collection. And, you know, in one year during the war, Han van Meegren made 
what would now be the equivalent of $23 million selling forgeries. And, you know, I think when I look at his story, the question that popped into my mind was, what if here you have these two men um, who lived at the same time in the same city, but what if a man like Johan von Holst had had Han von Megren's $23 million? Mm. You know, yes. I think the world would have been a very different place. And that question is certainly what sparked the story uh, of Artifice. Uh, oh, that makes so much sense. Your curiosity and wondering if we change these quote chess pieces if we move things around a bit what would be the outcome that's amazing right. fascinating right it's a fascinating question um yeah. absolutely and you know the end of of von Megren's story is that it's such an unusual unusual situation because he was arrested after the war um the dutch government went after anyone who could have been considered a collaborator. So anyone who helped the Nazis, sold things to the Nazis, sold Dutch history to the Nazis. And, you know, his name came up on a receipt um, for that painting, for Hermann Goring. And so he was arrested and found himself in the very strange position of having to go to court and say, no, you cannot hang me for collaboration because there was no collaboration because actually it's a forgery <laughs> and I am the art forger. And no one believed him. So they said, okay, if you say you have forged all these paintings, prove it, forge a Vermeer while in custody, which he did. He forged a Vermeer from Dutch jail and in one of the most embarrassing moments of the art world, that painting was authenticated by the leading expert hmm. on Vermeer of the day. So needless to say, he was he got off on the on the charge of collaboration, but he was convicted as an art forger. <laughs> <laughs> so. But so then a question could arise, like if you used the talent to really support the work then, as you question, you know, what it would happen if he had supported, used that money to support Van Hulst, how many more yeah. lives could have been saved? Then wouldn't that be a defense like the forgery was a good thing? Yes, yes. I mean, you can look at this from so many different ways. And I think, I think that is what fascinates me, really, those kinds of questions that's what fascinates me about historical fiction, because while, you know, I, I love rescuing these stories and, and thinking about these real people, and Artifice is full of real people, um, and there's an author's note in the back to explain exactly who is real and, and what the reality of their story is. But I think what fascinates me is to look at these stories and to ask these questions in, and to create answers to these questions that really make these stories not as much about history, but stories of now. Mm. So I think when you, when you look at these historical, at historical fiction as a genre, really historical fiction is about the reality of now because we are presenting the questions, the choices of yesterday representing the way people answered them. And then the challenge is, 
but what are you going to do now? How would you answer that question right now today? Because we all know that the hate that created the Holocaust did not die with Hitler, and it is alive and well in our world. And these same questions exist within our reality of now. And I think one way historical fiction can be used is to present us with a challenge of how we're going to answer them. Oh, again, it's so inspiring and, and important questions and realizations. And I feel that's why I really appreciate historical fiction, because it does put the stories, the truth. But yet, yes, there's the there is some fiction to it. But still, there is so much truth there that really draws us in and informs us where we might not read a history book. Well, just because it's considered all history, and it could be a bit dry. This way, it really brings it so to life. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting that I think fiction is really a way, it, it is a better way sometimes for human beings to process reality, mm. even though it's, it's, it's presented in story, it's presented in something that is fiction, something that is not true except that really through story is where we do find truth. I think human beings are built to um, use story in that way. Um, we, it is how we can find the deeper realities because they get presented in a way that, that we cannot just know about, but we feel it. You know, when you read a good story, you feel that story. And you understand truth on a deeper level than just mere facts can actually present. And, you know, facts, we learn them, they fade, they go away. But when you feel that mm -hmm. truth, that's something you're not going to forget. And, and I think it's interesting that fiction, for me, is a way to really learn a deeper truth. Oh, that is profound. Really such important insights. And add to that the fact that Scholastic has uh, published this book, so it's available to a, a younger audience. As an adult, I loved reading it. it. You don't think, oh, this is a children's book by any means. It's young adult. and Yeah. And it's, but it's written so that it's really important and easily accessible reading for a younger generation. Absolutely. And I, and I like having my work ride that line. Um, you know, it was not something that I, um, that I did on purpose or that I planned um, to sort of ride this line to, where, to write books that could be read all the way down, you know, to seventh grade, but then also all the way up into your seventh, eighth or ninth decade. And mm -hmm. that really is my audience. My, my audience spans um, decades. Mm -hmm. And I have um, grandparents and children and, and parents and children and parents and grandparents, <laughs> you know, reading the same books together. Sure. And I think that is so important. And there are so few books that we can do that with, that, you know, are, are sophisticated in their ideas and in their language, but content-wise are still appropriate um, for, for someone who is younger. And that just makes an experience, I feel like, that 
that families and book clubs, you know, that people of different generations can experience together. And I love being able to do that. Again, not what I had planned, but it's been such a wonderful place to find myself in, um, to span those, those different times of life. So may I suggest, based on the earlier story you shared of making your massive about turn from classical pianist to yes. <laughs> author, you were open to that. You didn't plan that and, and construct that, but here you've been open to following that passion, and thus it, it was just natural for the right thing to evolve. Yes, and I think that is what happens when we open ourselves up, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. when we when we take that small step, um, when we are aware of the possibilities that surround us, that is that is exactly what happens. Um, that then you create the opportunities for these things to happen, and and I I think that is. That is exactly the way life works. You know, we we plan, and this is the way my books work, too. I plan, and I plan, and I plan. But when I actually start the doing, there is an organic element that that needs to be allowed to grow a bit on its own. And and I try to do that with my life and my book. I just really admire your writing, as I mentioned, the language that you used, and you put yourself then in the mindset of the main character. But it also transports us to that place. I was just noticing as I read, like, oh, I can see this, the picture of this place. How did she get the detail, all these names and exactly what this was? It's just so rich in that way, Sharon. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I obviously did a lot of um, in-depth research, um, you know, to make this as real as it possibly could be, um, you know, by going to Amsterdam and, and walking these streets and going to Han van Meegeren's mansion and, um, and, you know, and finding um, places that I, where I could create uh, the gallery dismiss, you know, that is, that is mentioned in the book that is based on a, on a real building that is on that street with its other buildings. And um, I just, I do love doing that and kind of being feet on the ground but, you know, you just, ne- again, like you never know where you're going to get the best information, um, you know, for these places and these characters. I'll tell you a really interesting story that happened to me, and maybe it follows along really well with just being open to um, to the opportunities that present themselves to you. I was uh, doing a talk for one of my previous books and mentioned um, the story that I was thinking of working on next about um Amsterdam and the war, and someone said, oh, well, there's a man here that is a Dutch immigrant that um, was a teenager during the Nazi occupation of Amsterdam and lived through that. You should definitely go talk to him. And I thought, wow, I would love to love to speak with him. I was just getting ready to leave and um, go overseas and visit Amsterdam and do my research. So I made an appointment and met with him. And he told me these most amazing stories and gave me incredible um, information about what it felt like to live in an occupied city mm. and, and what his life was like. And when I told him what I was writing about and Han van Meegeren and Johan van Hulst, he said, oh, well, you did know that my father was Han van Meegeren's accountant. Oh. <laughs> I said, no, <laughs> no, I did not know that. I, I think my jaw dropped, hit the floor. And 
He said, yes, and he was the executor of his will when he died. So I met Han von Meegeren. I've been in his house and in his art studio. So he was able to tell me incredible detail about the man and his personality and what his art studio looked like and the kind of art that was hanging on his walls. And um, and that absolutely informed, you know, everything that is that is in the book about about the von Meegeren house and his personality and art and um and you know and I thought if I had never <laughs> happened to mention you know uh what I was working on I would have never known that you know I, I was going across the sea to get this information and it was 15 minutes from my house it was it was right down the road which was just absolutely um incredible so um again you just never know where the best information is going to to come from oh that is so amazing. Thank you for sharing that as well. I could awesome. then see how it weaves into the book, but also, again, just underscores the whole way that you are open to your your talent, to what you are to share. I, it just really epitomizes that to the nth degree. Well, I hope so. I hadn't thought of that till right now, but I'm I'm really glad that um, I I hope that you know maybe that will inspire someone you know to just you know try those new things and go to those places that you've never been, and it does just lead to to wonderful things. I think. Well, it certainly appears to have been the case for you, Sharon, <laughs> and I love all of that, and I have loved this book, Artifice, and I'm looking forward Thank to you. now going back to your earlier books. Highly recommend that anyone and everyone, as you mentioned, you know, all generations in the family, make it a family gift uh, during this holiday season, a season of... Oh, what a great right? idea, yes. Yeah, and spend time together, reading together. I mean, how rich could could that be? I believe in that so, so deeply. And um, it, it feels like such an honor and a privilege that my books could get used that way. So I hope that they do. So pick one up at your favorite bookstores, particularly, you know, if it's going to be your corner bookstore, the, the town books uh, bookstore. And of course, to get more information on you, we can find you online, right, Sharon? Absolutely. You can find me in all the normal places. And my website is SharonCameronBooks.com. Oh, this has just been such a delight. I am so grateful we've had this time uh, to talk about you and your life and about Artifice, which is really a highly recommended book uh, at any time, but certainly let's do it during this this season uh, together as a family. Oh, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Sharon Cameron and Sunday Morning Magazine with Alison Breiniger. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate you sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or to share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the Listen tab, then Podcast, and then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of being present to each other. 
the important people in our lives. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.